0: This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 69 with guest Susan Hyatt. All links and resources you hear in this podcast can be found by going to yourkickasslife.com forward slash 69.
1: This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host. The girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen.
0: Hey there, ass kickers. Welcome to another edition of the podcast. As always, I'm so happy that you're here and very excited about today's guest. It's funny, I've known Susan Hyatt for a long time. She was one of the – well, if not the first coach, life coach that I found online and started following and I reached out to her and um, at the time I was – running my business under – well, I should say running my blog. I hadn't even really launched an actual business yet, but running my blog under liveyourideallife.com. And that's how I found Susan because she had a very similar URL. Hers was um, Ideal Life Design. I think it was. So I reached out to her and we became friends. This was back in like 07, uh, way back in the dark ages of the coaching world. And I can't believe I haven't had her on my podcast. I've interviewed her different times for different classes as a guest expert. So I'm very excited to bring her expertise for a full episode here. And let me read to you a little bit about Susan if you don't know her. Susan Hyatt is a master certified life coach whose fierce, fun, and fresh approach to personal development has won her thousands of fans on Facebook, glowing praise from icons like Dr. Martha. Beck, and Maria Shriver, and a sold-out coaching calendar. As a woman who used life coaching principles to lose 35 pounds, upgrade her career, and revitalize her marriage, she's a coach who truly walks her talk. Her motto, life is precious, go make it delicious. So I'm I'm sure you're going to love Susan as much as I do. This already has been one of my favorite episodes. Um, I'm sure you will love it. So without further ado, here is Susan. And actually, just kidding. I have one more thing I wanted to tell you about. I'm running a free online workshop, a free webinar, and I would love for you to join me. It is coming up at the end of this month. There's two choices to join me in October, the 27th and the 28th, two different times. Hopefully one of them is convenient for you. So if you just hop on over to yourkickasslife.com forward slash free call, it's all one word, yourkickasslife.com forward slash free call. I'm going over my three most effective ways to manage your inner critic it's the topic we all deal with it's the topic y'all need help with ass kickers so head on over there and i will see you soon all right so now really without further ado here is susan All right, so we are here, and we are on fire. I'm here with Susan Hyatt, everyone. Welcome to the Your Kick-Ass Life podcast. And we are laughing because I just informed Susan that she's episode 69. So how cool is that?
1: Of course. Of course I
0: am. If you're a fan. Uh,
1: I can be a fan after a cocktail or two. (laughs) If the
0: mood strikes you. I was just having this conversation. Thank God my husband doesn't listen to this podcast, because I was just having a conversation with him about that. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like, you know, I don't love it. And he was like, how do I not know this about you? We've been married all these years. And he's like, why don't you like it? And I'm like, I just, I feel like there's too many sensory things going on and I can't, <laughs> I, I can't give and receive appropriately at the same time. And he just stared at me like, <laughs>
1: Oh my god! I feel like men aren't as concerned. They're like, just give it to me. Like, like I'm I don't gonna care. roll with anything. Come on, baby, I'll roll with it. <laughs> if I said that, I, in fact, I'm gonna say that to my husband later. I think that is true. I like to focus.
0: I want to do one or the other. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't. I multitask in a lot of different areas in my life. Oral sex is not one of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if That's not the best quote of the whole podcast. <laughs> Tweet that, ladies. That. Tweet it. <laughs> <laughs> tweet that. All right. All right. We do have That's other things to said. talk about
0: than just ridiculousness. Um, I'm so glad you're here. And I spent a great deal of time on your blog last week digging ups. And I had so many different nuggets that I pulled out and things that I wanted to ask you about. And so... <clears throat> This episode is going to be kind of a mishmash of different topics because that's what I love about Susan Hyatt. Nothing is off limits. You, you help people with their body stuff, you help people with their business, and you help people just in their life in general. Am I right? You're right. Yay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's start with – let's go You know, into the deep end. Let's start with the body because – I can't remember if this was in a blog post or on some page on your website, but I'm going to quote you. You say, obsessing about your weight and your body is distracting you from doing your real work in the world. And you and I both know, Susan, that the whole loving your body thing can be really challenging for some people, especially for women. So, And I know you run a whole program on this, a couple of them. So can you tell us about one of the many steps that you take women through? Maybe it's the first one or maybe it's your favorite or the most important
1: Oh my gosh, there's so many. Yeah, there's a whole program called BEAR that is about learning how to love yourself, your body as it is right now. And I kind of came to this work because I also have run and am a partner in a program called The Weight School, which is also weight loss without dieting. But what I noticed was that many of the women who were losing weight and very successful at losing weight... What we're still not satisfied or still uh-huh. Uh-huh. missing that piece, which is the most difficult piece, like you said, of full acceptance of your body as it is showing up in the world right now. And so one of the first things I have people do in bear is take a look at their environmental diet. So it's one thing women. And I do believe it. I do believe that women being obsessed with their food and exercise and how they look is keeping us from running the world. I mean, mm-hmm. we would we would be running the show. It would I think the major systems in our world right now, the economy, education, all those things, politics, I think worldwide this shit show would be so much better. Honestly, female energy is what is emerging and what is needed. And and us being distracted by bullshit like the thigh gap. Come on. Let's talk about the pay gap. Pay gap, not thigh gap, ladies. Um, And... And so the first thing I have people do is take a look at their environmental diet. So what are you reading? What are you watching? Who are you hanging out with? Um, where did these messages come to you in the first place? So it's a little bit of an of a, um, excavation of um, did these messages come to you through family of origin? What? And then let's take a look at and document, okay, what are the triggers for you. And so I'm not a fan of like we're not going to hide in our houses and stay away from the media or magazines and all these things, but it's good to have the awareness that hey, every time I pick up Shape magazine the rest of the day, I'm obsessed with my muffin top or whatever it might be. Or every time I go visit family and there's all kinds of discussion about who's gained weight and who hasn't, that's a trigger for me. It's really good to understand those things so that you can get ahead of that curve yes. and be in control.
0: I love that. And I uh, I talk about that, too. And it's funny. I was just uh, I had Rachel Rice on here. And we were talking about um, the massive amounts of information that we consume daily, and, and a, a lot. Of, there were there's are so many things I think in this world that we can't control, but the things that we can, girl, mm-hmm. let's do it. And so I'm totally with you. So for me, when you said Shape Magazine, mine is Victoria's Secret catalog. Like, mm-hmm. I, and I love their bathing suits. I do, mm-hmm. and I actually even like their underwear. Mm-hmm. So. But it's like I had to stop getting the catalog in the mail because I would, you know, just pick it up and just casually flip through it. And it's like I'm not really looking at the bathing suit so much except like they're very, very flat stomachs and, you know. and, And I'm like I don't look like that and I actually don't even know anyone that looks like that and then feel like shit about myself. And so it's like why am I doing this? I have complete Mm -hmm. control over this. And then Mm -hmm. I would feel bad. Like I should have my shit together around this. And it's just like, you know what? It's okay. (laughs) Like I'm human. And to be inundated with that is, uh, normal to not feel great. Right. Yeah. I totally agree with that. So anyone listening, what are your triggers and the people too? Oh my gosh, the people.
1: Yeah. and, And the people, and it's like, are you hanging out with people or tolerating conversations that are all about what we ate. Oh, my God, we just had this fettuccine. So tomorrow, let's go to boot camp, you know, all that kind of stuff, like really pay attention to how you feel around the conversations that are happening. Mm -hmm. Because uh, you don't have to participate in those. I mean, I I totally I mean, I think most people around me are (laughs) trained now, but but I do find myself in conversations with women and And I try to feel a lot of compassion for where they're coming from because I've certainly been there. But I try to direct the conversation to a more positive thing than let's all talk about how we need to weigh our food. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's just like, you know, so if you're hanging out with someone who's always trying a new diet, um, you could try to help them, but. You don't have to buy into what it is they're talking about, um, and you know the thing about that you were talking about the Victoria's Secret catalog. I gotta—I uh, don't pick up a lot of magazines anymore. And I was—I posted something on Facebook. I took a picture of the wall of women's magazines in an airport bookstore, and I, I just kind of was remarking like, "Wow!" Like the the energy radiating off of these. Covers and headlines were so sick to me and someone went on that thread and said wow it doesn't bother me at all you should really it was kind of like you should have your shit together more what you were saying mm-hmm. and I was like dude like I am saying that I didn't go into the corner and cry about this I was just remarking that this is not okay with me that every cover is talking to women about how they're not enough.
0: Yes, I, I get that. And it's and I I understand what you're saying. It's not for for me and my experience, it's not really a matter of um me being upset for me about all the covers of the magazines, I think about people like my daughter who's six. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of times these magazines are at eye level and she's learning how to read and the messages that we hear. And And for all the women out there that maybe ha- haven't done as much work as you or, or myself and that are still buying into these, and it really is... It's so subconscious. It's frightening how mm-hmm. much we do. Cause I, I grew up, I don't know what your family was like. And I remember you telling me a story about, I think it was your sister that made a comment about your thighs or something when you were really young and it stuck with yeah. you forever. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it's like, I didn't grow up in, like, my mom never talked about her body. Like, she never even talked badly about other women's bodies. So I kind of grew up in a family where the conversation just didn't exist and I mm-hmm. wish it would have. Mm-hmm. And, And I know that there's a lot of women out there that grew up in families where their mothers just bashed on their own bodies and were constantly on diets and talked badly about other women's bodies. However, in my experience, I was a complete victim of the media. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't even as bad back in the 80s when I grew up and in the 90s -hmm. when I was in my 20s. It just – it was um, – I mean, I grew up mm-hmm. when Cindy Crawford was – and, and right. now she's considered even
1: curvy. Yeah, she's <laughs> now considered curvy. What? But
0: that's <laughs> that's what I get angry and fired up about is just our culture. And I could go on all day about this. And, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'll move on. But I, I love that. Just basically look at – the things that you can control around you and even if we can't you know walk into an airport and i we don't advise people just going and tearing down all the magazines but <laughs> just you know just don't buy it and, and don't or right, get posted and write yeah. notes <laughs> i've done that yeah. before too um, um it's funny. just it, you don't you have a choice i think in what you choose to put your energy towards is the bottom line of it
1: Exactly. And to ask the question, what is all this obsession potentially distracting me from? I think that's the biggest. I mean, that's what gets me up in the morning to do stuff like this is that there are talented, amazing women not rocking it in the world because they are so weighed down by this hamster wheel of, uh, you know, to be the fit model Uh on Instagram. Anyway, absolutely. Yeah,
0: well, that's yeah. a great segue for, for what I wanted to talk to you about next. And you have a, a, a it's a Monday podcast, right? You put out a new podcast. Yeah, on yeah, Monday. it's new. Okay. And so, and you guys in the show notes at yourkickasslife.com forward slash six nine, there'll be all of the, the specific links over to Susan's um, blog posts and, and podcast episodes that we're talking about if you want to go see that. But I, it was in episode 14, you said, risk something or get off the stage. And you um, you quoted a movie and the quote was, you have to risk something for your audience or people will not risk anything for you. And you said, if you want big rewards, you have got to risk something. So back up a little bit and because it's such a great story. So tell us the story, please, of you being on the airplane and and speak more yeah. into
1: this. Sure. So, so I was on a long flight and um, was sort of, there's no Wi-Fi on this particular international flight. So Gasp. I, oh God. So I'm like <laughs> perusing, perusing the, the offerings on their movie selection and there was a movie I hadn't heard of on there called Bessie and it starred Queen Latifah and Monique. And so I'm like, okay, that might be good. And, and I didn't know anything about the legendary blues singer, um, Bessie Smith, but she was a real pioneer in music. And the movie itself was an eye opener as to how not just African Americans were treated in the twenties and thirties in the music industry, but let alone a female African American, Lord have mercy. So, Anyway, I'm I'm watching this movie and I don't even have my notebook in front of me. And um, I I start like crying and like, where's my notebook to take notes? Because there's a scene in the movie where um, Queen Latifah, who plays Bessie, is mentored by Monique, who played Ma Rainey, who was who is like the godmother of blues and jazz. Anyway, um Queen Latifah was was feeling deflated because she's this amazing vocalist and she would sing her heart out for these audiences and they would like boo her. I mean, they were ruthless, throw stuff at the stage. They just weren't having it. And Ma Rainey, who's much older, would take the stage, command that stage and people would be on their feet cheering. And she's like, how in the world? Like, what is she doing? How do I get some of that? Um, and so Ma Rainey, after observing her for a few performances, they were having a rehearsal and she was like, stop, 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 stop. Like you are so busy trying to do jazz and you don't need to know jazz. You need to know the people. And if you're, you're not risking a darn thing on this stage. And if you don't risk anything on the stage, that audience isn't going to risk anything for you. Hmm. And I'm like, yes, this is like business pumping on the airplane. <laughs> totally. I'm like, oh, my God. So I think um, I'm sure you get questions like this a lot, Andrea, in your business like, uh, you know, because you've built an amazing tribe following and you have a fantastic business and and um, entrepreneurs, it's it can be hard. It can be tough. And in my opinion. Opinion The number one way to be successful in business is to risk your ego. Mm -hmm. And without that, you can have all the fancy branding and marketing you want. But if there's no there, there, people aren't going to waste their time.
0: True dat. And you know what actually made me um, think about when you were telling that story is that this goes beyond entrepreneurship as well, because a lot of my listeners uh have corporate jobs or <clears throat> or they're staying at home with their kiddos and I think that that can also be incorporated into relationships as well because you know what that is that's vulnerability at its finest. Yep. And and what what the question I get asked a lot um yes I get that question from entrepreneurs but from I call them I call them the regulars like the people that aren't is <laughs> They want to. I I help a lot of women in their relationships and more specifically their female friendships because you Mm. get to be our age, you know, late 30s, early 40s, mid 40s. And a lot of those friendships that you had in college have gone away, or even like your childhood friendships have petered out for whatever reason. Divorce happens. We move, things like that. And women – or they've been betrayed and they don't want to trust anyone anymore. Happens mm. a lot. Mm. And we just don't know how to be friends. We, I mean, mm. I didn't. I wasn't – I look back and I'm like, oh my god, I was a shitty friend in <laughs> my <laughs> 20s. I didn't know how to be. And I had to learn how to do that. But, but what I hear over and over again is I want, I want to trust women and I want to have that kind of friendship you know, what Brene Brown calls the move the body friendship, but I want to trust them first before I will. I I want, I I want them to get naked before I will is, you know, kind of the metaphor Mm -hmm. I'm trying to Mm -hmm. use here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it becomes like the chicken or egg thing. And I, what I tell people over and over again is like, if you're going to keep waiting, you might wait forever and you have to, like you just said, like if you want big rewards, you've got to risk something. And you, if yeah. you don't risk anything for them, they're probably not good. They're probably just as scared as you are. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to make the first move. And why not you? And I don't guarantee that it's going to work out. I, I don't. Right, it right. might not.
1: I know there's a, there's a, I am so with you on this in terms of relationships and, And I actually have suffered a big betrayal in the past couple of years from a friendship. And it was hard. So I totally get my clients say the same thing. Like, you know, I've been burned. I don't feel like I can trust anyone, that sort of thing. And and the thing there's a quote. God, I'm going to have to find it so you can link to it. But it but it's like, you know what? Be the one with your heart wide open. You know, still be the enthusiastic one. Still be the one with your heart on your sleeve. Because those are the people who have the best relationships. And sure, you might get your heart broken a few times, but the reward of having real, authentic other relationships around you, or it's just like feel all the feelings. Mm -hmm, Feel the feels. (laughs) It's okay.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, and that's. I think that that's kind of. I mean it could go in that direction too. It's just – I think that's what we do is like we we get hurt and then we're like it's not worth it. It's like this pain that I'm feeling right now of being betrayed either in an intimate relationship or a business deal or a friendship. It is not worth it. I'm not going to do it again. And then we don't – I think a lot of people don't fully grieve what just happened. And it's Mm – I think – I don't know about the women that come to you but my women are so fucking smart and they are so – they are high achievers and they want to be on to the next thing. Like Ain't gotten. Ain't nobody got time to feel the feels,
1: uh-huh, and uh-huh. I was one
0: of them. Like I still sometimes have that mentality, you know. And I got, I got sober four years ago. As we're taping this, my anniversary was yesterday, and like that was mm-hmm. something I had to learn how to do. And I just, and I would be like, uh, I can't. I just like drink my way out of this. <laughs> For a lot of people, can't I just eat my way out of this? Um, right. No, you can't because it's not gonna go away. I thought that if I didn't feel my feelings, like they would just quietly tiptoe out of the room.
1: Damn it, they don't. No, they don't. (laughs) I'm with you. It's like, fuck, now I've got to feel something. Yeah, damn it.
0: Yeah, and and I think that that is such part of the – and that's an assignment I give to sometimes my clients. Like if they have a friendship that has gone away or fallen apart or exploded or whatever – you need to grieve that and a, and a lot it, it surprises me that so many women don't i mean it happened to me too i had a friendship that fell apart and a, mm-hmm. i was most of the reason that it did and i had to mm-hmm. make amends with that person and i had to grieve it and sometimes she'll be tagged in a picture on facebook and she'll pop up in my newsfeed and my i feel like i'm going to throw my heart up and it's like it it's one of those things where we just we have to feel the feelings in order to get back up and go mm-hmm. back out there and try to be vulnerable again and risk
1: Mhm. Yeah, I mean it's it's hard. Um but again, the rewards are tremendous. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Right? I yeah. mean We promise you guys, we promise. Pinky swear. For real. <laughs>
0: yes okay well you also say you have so many things that you say on your website so you say (laughs) passive women do not change the world it's time Uh to stop being a bystander in your own life it's time to go after your dreams with the ferocity of a mama bear protecting her cubs it's time to stir the pot ruffle a few feathers and show the world exactly how strong you can be it's time to make a fucking
1: scene Yes! (laughs) Yes! this <laughs> <Fist> pump! <laughs> You're like, who said that? Oh. It was me. I know. People quote me sometimes and I'm like, wow, I said that? Really? It's to me too. <laughs> Let's verify that. Let's go to Snopes.
0: <laughs> go to Snopes. So tell tell us about that. Tell us about making a scene.
1: So make a scene is, is – God, it, it, sometimes programs just happen. And this is one of those times when, um, I encountered a young woman on the street who was being verbally assaulted. They were about 19 years old, verbally assaulted by a guy. And I intervened just to make a long story really short. I intervened and, you know, I'm five foot three, 125 pounds. This guy's like six, four who knows how much he weighed big guy and he's like looking at me like what in the hell but he had this flash in his eyes like this lady's crazy i better back up (laughs) and he did and he left and when he did the young woman kind of sunk down to the sidewalk and started crying and she's like i'm just so embarrassed that we made a scene and i said honey you're worth making a scene over and on, I was on a run when this happened and when I was running back to my house, I was so full of adrenaline because of what had just gone down. But I would, that phrase, make a scene just stuck with me. And I came home and it was holiday time. So everybody, my kids were home and I was telling them what had happened and, and I was like, you know, damn it, we're raised to not make a scene. I don't know how many times you heard that growing up, but I heard it constantly. Oh, don't make a scene. You were born and
0: raised in the South, so I think it was even worse for
1: you. <laughs> yeah, for y'all, it, for y'all. Yeah, I mean, it was like don't make a scene. It was very much ingrained in my upbringing, and and I and and a, and and. and blatant but subtle ways too sure. the message was you know don't don't be loud don't speak up don't draw attention that sort of thing and and so that phrase just wouldn't leave me and i i went to facebook and talked about it a little bit and then um uh, you know the outpouring of messages from people about you know the ways in which they want to make a scene in their lives uh so i created a program called make a scene and it it really is all about figuring out what you want, owning who you are. And I think far too often women are hesitant to make a scene because they don't want to be judged. They don't want people to call them a bitch. They don't want to. And let me be clear, making a scene isn't about being bitchy. Mm -hmm. It's about owning your power, which sometimes can be perceived that way by people who are threatened by it. But Mm -hmm. nevertheless, it it is really important to stop hiding. Right you know, on that stage with Bessie. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yes. And I, I, I love what you said at the end, too, because I think that a lot of people and especially women feel like it's either one or the other. It's it's black or white. The pendulum swings either one direction or the other. Either we be how we were taught, how most of us were taught to hide and be seen and not heard to not rock the boat, to not disagree, to not be too loud, to be a lady. Or we are bitchy and loud mouth, foul mouth, um, you know, completely tattooed, smoking cigarettes, <laughs> drunk. <laughs> you know, like it's it's like the dichotomy of it. And it really doesn't have to be that way. I mean, ma- the making a scene is is to me and I make up that it is just about finding your voice and actually using it. And, and being proud of who you are in the meantime because your scene doesn't need to look like – Susan Hyatt's or mine or Bessie's right. or whatever right. it is. Right.
1: Right. It could mean, you know, um, finally volunteering and stepping up at the PTA. It mm-hmm. could mean asking for the corner booth instead of accepting the table right near the kitchen. Yes. it. Could, I mean, there are lots of little, little subtle tiny ways to make a scene and larger ones like getting a new job or going back to school or, or getting tattoos and getting drunk and smoking cigarettes. <laughs> I mean, if that's your thing. <laughs> you could do that. And that Which I have done. <laughs> I am ink free to date, but that doesn't mean I will remain ink free. You to decide what to get. <laughs>
0: well, and I, I think, yeah, I think that for anyone listening, like your scene doesn't need to be, Grandiose. I think that that's one of the things that I talk about in um, the daring way is the program that I do that's based on the research of of Brené Brown. And <clears throat> one of my favorite exercises that we do it's and and it goes really deep. And I'll try to I'll try to make a long story short. But one of the exercises that we do is we figure out what are the things that we do when we are either vulnerable to shame or we're in shame and. Mm-hmm. And they're called shame shields and there's three of them. And we either people please, we isolate and avoid and hide, or we lash out. Mm -hmm. And I think for – and it can depend. Like we pull out different shields in different situations like with our husband and at our job and with clients or with our friends or with the PTA moms or whatever. And so I I think that – what I I ran a group program and one of the women – had such an epiphany and she said i have been pulling out the lashing out shame shield forever thinking that i was standing up for myself and making a scene and really that doesn't align with who i really am like i'm not a bitch i'm not unkind i'm not malicious but it was i think it's so powerful for people to understand that it's kind of off on a tangent but it made me think of it because i my point is is that like when you're thinking about whatever your scene is like think about how you want to feel when you walk away from that scene? Like, how do you want to show up and say that you were really proud of yourself?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that the shame shields. Mm-hmm. Love it because yeah. we all
0: we all have them because none right. of us are immune to shame. Like we'll we'll all get in it whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't mm-hmm. avoid it. And yeah, we we pull out one of three. And I think it's important for people to know, and it's so powerful for people to know those shields because when you're in it and you're you realize, and that's part of what I teach is shame resilience. Is instead of like, for instance, I pull out the people pleasing shame shield when I feel shame within my marriage,
1: mm-hmm. and if
0: if I do something where I I screw up, like I make a mistake, and, and I'm like, oh god, it's that inevitable like. the wash of and it's not like super powerful it's just it's a little bit of shame and I might go overboard to try to people please with my husband and I'm just like I'm not a people pleaser like I normally would never do that so instead Mm -hmm. of that what I do is tell him like I totally screwed up, and I feel shame around this. Or if I don't feel comfortable telling him in that moment, I will excuse myself and call one of my girlfriends instead of isolating or instead of people pleasing. And because that's that's the antidote to shame, you know, sprinkle some empathy on that and just be seen. It can't mm-hmm. exist. So mm-hmm. yeah, just a little a little lesson, a little nugget for y'all. Love
1: it. <laughs> yeah. Shame shields for life.
0: <laughs> Go on the road with that. Hyatt. oh my god <laughs> yeah but i i love that and, and again you guys your life.com forward slash 69 for all of the um for all of the links back to susan's site if you want to read more about her programs and i just i have one more question before we wrap it up and mm-hmm. we were talking about this before we started recording like that that You've been coaching longer than I have, like since way back in like 06 or something. And how long ago? It, <laughs> it was, was like 150 yeah. years ago. Yeah. So you, you've just been coaching for about a decade now. And so tell us what the one thing that comes up over and over again. I know there's probably a few, but like the one that comes to mind first over and over again that stops women from making a scene, that stops them from playing big in their life.
1: Uh, the biggest excuse I hear from women is that it's already been done. Interesting. Yeah, so it's already been done. You've already done it. Andrew's already done it. Martha Beck's already done it. Brene Brown's doing it better than I could ever say it. So what do I have to offer is really the biggest worry. Or that, that all of the business building activities are only for extroverts and not for introverts. And people are often surprised to learn that I'm an introvert. So I love when they say that to say, really? <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Because wow. I'm introverting all over the place uh-huh. around here. <laughs>
0: Interesting. Yeah, I, I hear that too. Like, what do I have to offer I mm-hmm. think, like, because I always go. It's so funny. I I always go off on these tangents because I hear something and I must scare people on airplanes because I go like seven layers deep. I call it the seven layer dip deep. When <laughs> I hear something like that and I'm like, you know what that is, girl?
1: That's worthiness. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. But it is it, exactly. It is it, and it's, you it's know, that I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough is the really the root of that faux show, sure. and you know there's all kinds of oh my gosh, entrepreneurs building businesses come on, I mean there's like there's a ton that that really swirl around um that the worthiness thing, mm-hmm. but it can show up as everybody's already said it or I don't have time to figure out these systems or um. You know, no one's gonna want to learn it from me. I mean, it's all all the same mm-hmm. underneath.
0: <clears throat> I've actually heard, like, I've actually had people comment and like on my Facebook page and like tell me that. <laughs> so tell like, you, it, say what that it, that's already been said before. And I'm and I think that like I, I've worked on it so much that I'm like, yeah. you're right, it has. <laughs> I, I, anything else you got
1: <laughs> right it's like i actually have something i'm going to put on instagram today that it's like be be inspired by people all you want but make sure to put your spin on it and there are no new i mean this is what um elizabeth gilbert's new book i mean she so brilliantly talks about it that there are no new ideas Mm-mm. there's only your flavor or your spin on ancient concepts people okay <laughs> wisdom. like right like we didn't make up journaling in this century <laughs> we didn't make up gratitude right gratitude <laughs> right and so it's like well sure you may have heard this concept before but here how here's how i andrea am delivering this to mm-hmm. my people hashtag shut the fuck up
0: <laughs> <laughs> stfu Right. banning you from my page right now
1: <laughs> oh girl yes.
0: So. yes i i i totally agree with you a thousand percent on on that and it's it's funny you mentioned entrepreneurship i tell people like if you want the best a worthiness workshop start your own business oh. because all your skeletons are gonna come out
1: I'm serious. I say the same thing. I don't say it that way, but I say like, you know, you want to do some deep personal development, start a business. Start a
0: business. Yeah. I didn't know. Thank goodness I didn't know. (laughs) We were talking about that before we started recording too. Like we were very ignorant back then and I had no idea it was going to be like that. And I actually wrote a blog post back in May about – in defense. I called it in defense of the day job because I see a lot of people – wanting to be a life coach and for the wrong reasons though it's like they think that like all their dreams are going to come true and i'm like first you need to work on yourself like work on your own issues like fairly extensively and then start to build the business of being a life coach because if you don't and you're in the middle of it and and you're learning all the strategies and like all the head explosion stuff that comes along with it and you're not working on your worthiness It's going to – I mean to say it's an uphill battle is an understatement, I feel like. And I think that's why a lot of people quit. It doesn't – it's not about the strategies. They know the strategies. It is all in your head and it's all a worthiness thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean it's – you know, and – I'm telling you, most of the wonderful things in my life, I will say if I'd known how hard it was going to be, I wouldn't have done it, but it would have been a huge mistake. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. same with building a business. And you just can't know until you're in it. Yeah.
0: You, you, you can't. And if anyone, you know, needs help on worthiness, I know a life coach that can help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's what I do. I love I love working Andrea. on it. And it's like, I just want to say this one last thing about worthiness is that it's not a destination, and you know, I can't speak from Miss Susan Hyatt, but I my worthiness stuff gets pushed in my face. You know, I heard a quote recently by my good friend Joe Casey. She said, "New, new level, new devil," and it's so true.
1: I love that. Every
0: time something gets upgraded, either in my life or my business, the the, dev, the new devils come out, and you know, got to go back to the drawing board. Got to go back to worthiness, and that this actually goes back to what you were talking about in the very beginning about like who you surround yourself with, because. When you, when the new level new devil comes up and you're surrounded by people that are negative or that are not working on their own stuff or not stepping out into the arena as we like to call it, it's it's going to be next to impossible for you to do that. So get the support that you need, manifest those right people. I have a podcast episode all on that, y'all, so you can go back and listen to that on how to manifest your tribe and and get to it and make a fucking scene, right, Susan Hyatt. Make a scene. The world's waiting. <laughs> well, they have the show notes and how to find all these direct things. But let people know what's the best way you like them to be able to find you.
1: Uh, probably my website, shyatt.com. I am on Instagram and Facebook and Periscope. So you can find me at Susan Hyatt on all three of those.
0: Nice. Thank you so much for being here. This has been so fun.
1: You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure.
0: Yay. All right. Episode 70 is coming up next week. And until then, I will see y'all in cyberspace. Bye-bye.